The following audio is from The House in Rogers, Arkansas. More information about The House Church can be found at www.welcometothehouse.com. There's some excitement in my spirit over what I want to talk about uh, today. We are in this three-part series called Life Givers. And so last, last week we talked about thoughts. And um, I, I'm just going to tell you, I, I said this last week, but I am really, I like life givers. I like people who like life. Not people who are, uh, you know, I don't know what, negative Nancy or uh, Gus the Gossip or Sarcastic Sam. or what. I, I, I just, I think there's okay to have a little bit of, you know, fun and joking with people. But I think that... I don't know, I like happy people, people who exude life. You know, this last weekend, uh, Katie and I went to a conference, and we are a part of ARC. It's Association of Related Churches. And so basically what they are is a church planning organization. And so a few men got together, and they said, you know what, how can we really do a lot of missions? And they said, you know what? Here's how we can do a lot of missions. If we plant a lot of churches, then churches will do missions, and we can actually do more for our money if we plant life-giving churches that can do missions. And so, basically, a couple guys got together, they launched a few churches, and their goal was to have 2,000 churches uh, through this organization. And so we are part of that organization. We are launch- We are church plant. 552. Come on, that's good, that's good. I'm glad that you're here. Three people are excited about it. But, um, but, but no, we are excited. And so right now they have around 700 churches that they've planted. And, uh, and, and so since we have uh, begun, we have given over $10,000 to planting churches. And so we are a church that believes in planting churches and planting life-giving churches. And I don't know if it was because of the message that I'm speaking today. I kind of already had this in my mind. But it was interesting that every communicator and the helpful content that they shared was life-giving. It's amazing. There were 6,000 people at this conference, and all of them left encouraged, motivated, uh, maybe even convicted, focused, ready to, to, to do what God has called them to do. And uh, like everybody, there's something about being in a life-giving culture where, where people are not negative, where people are not throwing uh, uh, their uh, baggage grenades into the crowd that, you know, like your life is happy, but their life is terrible. And so you're like, wow, I don't really, should I laugh in your presence? You know what I mean? Because I don't want to make you feel worse, but I'm pretty happy right now. And, and it's like... It's like those rare moments where you're like, you want to give everybody in the room a high five, but you're like, are you going to give me some skin back? You know, it's just funny um, how people can change your demeanor when you were having a great day. And as as I started to think about this, I thought about how intentional every communicator was with their words. You know, when, we, when I thought about it, it, there was no big event. It was just talking. There, were, there, was, there was no huge, like, reason for going. It was just people talking. Uh, 
But when people got done talking, we were all inspired and we were all encouraged and we were all like, yeah, let's do ministry, let's build churches, let's see people saved. You know, I mean, it's like kind of like a, yeah, like hog game for pastors. You know what I mean? It was like, you know, I mean, we were about to call something, I don't know. But, and, 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 and so everybody was excited about their calling. But, but it happened because of words words. I don't know what you think about these statements, but let me give you a few statements. I hate you. You disgust me. I wish you weren't born. I wish you were dead. You make me sick. I want a divorce. Nobody cares about you. I'll never speak to you again. You're so stupid. Those aren't warm and fuzzy. You know, those aren't words and, and phrases that you're like, mm, like a warm blanket, give it to me again. Yeah, but, I, it's, 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 it, but, but think about this, like other statements, like I love you. You're important to me. Thank you. So, I, I think I heard it all. <laughs> thank you so much. Will you marry me? We're having a baby. How can I repay you? You look nice today. I like your haircut. Look at you. Got some style. Great job. Man, this place wouldn't be the same without you. I'm proud of you. You're irreplaceable. You know what? You can make it. There's something in you. You know, God has a calling on your life. I am so encouraged by what I see God doing in you. Those, it's like, come on, feed me. Like, I can be in that all day long. Like, some of you, like, seriously, when I started talking about that, like, you started smiling, like, he wrote that for me. You know? <laughs> he was thinking about me. I don't believe that success just happens. I don't believe that they give out degrees just because you walk through the, the, the university. Oh, yeah, what, you want a doctorate? Oh, yeah, here, cool. Hey, where'd you get that? Oh, I was just walking through. Just kind of gave it to me. I took it. To plant 700 churches, someone's going to have to be intentional. Yeah. To have a good marriage, someone's going to have to be... Good marriages don't happen by accident. Right. Good relationships don't happen by accident. Someone has to be intentional. Come on, to be a good parent, it's bigger than the top four. You know what I'm saying? Feed, clothe, bathe, bed. It, 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 it has to be intentional. There has to be some intentional conversations. There has to be some intentional thought process on how can we produce something that wins. Somebody that wins. How can we win in our finances? It's not just, oh yeah, I think I'll save some money. I'd like to buy a car someday. You, you have to be intentional. and You just don't end up at success. And so as we were thinking about this, I was, talking, I was thinking about how intentional we are with our words, with what we say and how we say it. You know, and as we talk about this, the art communicators were very intentional. And today, there's something about an intentional Christian that will manage what they say and be a life giver. Be a life giver out of the words, out of what you're saying. And so as we talk about this, you cannot hit a target you don't aim at. And if you don't know what you're aiming at, a lot of us are in different seasons of life. What is the goal? What are you aiming at? Where are we going? I got a few scripture verses that I think will help us here as we, as we move through this. 
The first verse that I want to look at here is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. And it says this. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Dang it. Come on, how many of y'all right there? Just whoosh, conviction, you know. Man, were you in the car with me today? Did you hear me talk to my parent? Did you see me talk Friday to my boss? Eh. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for and necessary for edification, that you may impart grace to the hearers. Can I, can I submit something to you today? That God doesn't want you to just be attenders at a church service. He wants you to be imparters of something life-giving. Like you impart. You're an imparter. And so if we have and we don't manage the words that are coming out of our mouth, then what we need to understand is we're imparting, we're not imparting grace. We're not imparting life. We're killing dreams, marginalizing people, hurting confidence, breaking people. Our words are important. The goal is to build up people. So my mom had this phrase, and her phrase was, when I would get negative or frustrating or didn't like the plan, it was always, Stephen, build up or shut up. That was her phrase. You know, now maybe you had a, a nicer parent and they were like, you know, watch the words that are out of your mouth. You know, what I'm saying? you know what I'm saying? They had a cute little rhyme. Mine was always like, Stephen. And I would look at her and she was like, build up or shut up. And I'm like, oh. And so I automatically knew it. Anytime I was saying something negative, she would be like, Stephen. And I would like, <laughs> you know, because I wasn't building up. I believe that God gave us the opportunity to use our mouth so that we could build people. And here's the deal. The, the greatest potential of the church is to have a transformed heart that we can have different language because the world out there is nobody's good enough. Yeah. Everybody's lacking something. Everybody's missing it. Everybody's falling short. Everybody's comparing. Everybody's not as cool as so-and-so or cute as so-and-so or strong as so-and-so or financially stable as so-and-so. But the, the church should appear different because we speak words of life. What is it when the world seems more encouraging than we do. Like, the world can't be more encouraging than people who are life-giving. As we look at this, John chapter 12, verse 49, look at this. For I have not spoken my own words, this is Jesus, by my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command what I should say and what I should speak. Can I tell you that if Jesus' words were managed by God, like the Son of God, part of the Trinity, could not just ramble off what He wanted to say, if Jesus had to manage His words, how much more, come on, do we have to manage ours? What I should say, what I should speak, may I suggest today that if Jesus himself had to watch his words, so do we. Yeah. Church, it's vital for us to search our words and ask the question, are we speaking life? Are we speaking life? And today I've got three truths 
on how we speak. Three truths on how we speak. The first one is this. Words always produce something. You don't ever speak where they don't produce something. What are you speaking over? What you're speaking over your life today will affect your tomorrow. I'm going to say that again. What you were speaking over your life today, you will see tomorrow. It will affect your tomorrow. What you speak over your life today is affecting your life tomorrow. Our words leave an impression long after we speak them. Long after we speak them. It's like Plato. It's like hand. When you put your hand in mud and there was an impression of your foot or your hands, your words are making an impression and we are making an impression on every relationship in our life. What is the impression that we're making? Your words are powerful. They create. They carry a creative power of God or, they're or they are a destructive tool of the enemy. Let's think about this. God has a plan for your mouth, but so does the enemy. And we can encourage or discourage. We can heal or we can hurt. We can build up, come on somebody, or we can tear down. And every one of us have been affected by somebody who was loose with their words. Either it be a parent who was trying to motivate you, but did it by pointing out all of the negative, or, 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 or a brother, or a sister, or a teacher, or children trying to push back the control or the encouragement of their parents. And so they stood up and they, this is how I feel. And it was like a vomit of emotion from their mouth to one of the greatest relationships in their life. Come on, we've all been there. Nobody is is without excuse here. But my, my thought as we look at this is words always produce something. We, we, we measure so much about what we say by how we feel. How we feel. And, I, and, and it's important that we are able to take how we feel and manage and filter it because we don't want a habit of just flying off. A habit because, well, you know, I'm just going to be real. I'm just going to tell them how it is. If you don't like it, you can deal with it. Okay, that may work on a song, but in real life, if you say everything that you feel, you will end with nobody. You don't get to say everything that you feel. People aren't, people aren't okay with just vomiting emotions. Everybody has to be responsible over how they communicate and what they say. The concepts of blessing and cursing. You know, you, you, you may be new to church and, and you don't really understand that, but the Bible says that we can speak really blessings over someone or we can curse them. We can curse them with our words. We can curse them. And that's not me talking. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 says this, I have set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. So let's talk about this. Blessings and cursing. Choosing life. Our words either bless or they curse. Come on. Things that we say in a moment of frustration. As a parent. It gets very hard. 
when you try to tell your kids something that they already know, it's like, oh, Jesus, help me because I need a new motivator, you know? And, and very easy, it's very easy to lean a negative to get a response. But we've got to make sure that our words are life-giving and that we're producing in them where we want them to go. It's the truth. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not conviction. That doesn't mean that we don't have to set standards. That doesn't mean that we don't have to make guidelines. But the reality is we will be held accountable. The Bible says for every word that comes out of our mouth. Oh, Lord, I don't want to see that video. Come on. Every word, every word. Come on. But back in the day, we, we and we've all heard that just kidding. So someone says something. Oh, just kidding. Just kidding. Say something hurtful. Oh, just kidding. See, back in the day, we said another word. We didn't say just kidding. We said psych. Okay, we said psych. And so something happened, we were like, psych! And so it was like, it was like we said it, and then we took it back. And, and it was like this, this verbal Jedi, you know, how do I win the conversation and then take it back so that if you're offended, you don't really have the right to be offended because I said, I was just kidding. <laughs> but but what, what's, what's funny is this, is that you can't just say whatever you want. You know, in, in our country, we have the right of free speech. And uh, I, I'm, 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 so, I'm so glad that we have that. But can I tell you, you really don't have the right to say everything that you think. And, and, and if you do, you may be the only champion in your cause. Because while there is free speech, and I would defend the right for someone to say it, if you say everything that you think, without management, without a thought process, come on. There are a lot of things that people are saying that just don't need to be said. People post and stuff. People, my funny, the funny thing is when people argue on Facebook. Like we're going to take this to another level. You know what I'm saying? And so someone says something and someone says, and we're, arg we're arguing, we're arguing. And it's not a conversation anymore. This is all out like, you're stupid and I have to tell you why in like 144 characters or less. I'm good with the debate. Listen, I'm good with, 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 with having a good discourse. But when we're up there, ha, ha, and you're just like, it's now the adrenaline's going, and you're just waiting for them to respond again. Come on, I've been working on that. Well, you don't, you don't even know what I, what's next, because what's next is really better than what I just posted. Come on. There have been countless times, even in my own life, when I posted something, and then I was fired up, and it was right. It was the sword of God, and it was, yeah. <laughs> and after about two hours, ah, I think I ought to delete that. You know, you know what I'm saying? And people are like, "Where'd the conversation go?" And I was, ah, between the last two hours, I got saved. I repented. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen, speaking evil over someone will never produce life. To curse someone, to, to be negative over someone, to be condemning over someone. And I'm not talking about living in a bubble where all we say is nice things. Oh, you're a winner, you're a winner, you're a winner. Well, sometimes people lose. You know, and so I'm not talking about being so positive that you negate helping people. I'm just talking about not being critical and, and trying to be negative and it falsifying this idea that you love them when really you're prideful. And I think I'm better than you, and I think you need to listen to me, and that's why I'm saying what I'm saying, not because I really have a burden for you. 
and I want to see you increase. Listen, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, and I know I put a lot of the Bible verses up here, but I do want to say, and, and Nick, if it's a little cold, you can turn that down, turn it up, I mean. Um, but, but here's the thing is, um, bring your Bible. Man, bring your Bible, bring, bring a notebook, write notes on your phone. And, and here's why. I want to produce, in the house, I want us to have a culture of going to the Word to try to help our perspective rather than going to a personality to change our perspective. I want to do a good job at communicating, and I want you to obviously like whoever communicates from this pulpit. But what I want to do is if, and you can put the phone on your app, version, whatever, on your phone, but there are two cultures that I would like to really have in our church. First is people who bring the Word and look at Scripture with us. Now, I have the, the Bible up here because there are people who are just, man, they got convicted last night, they grew up in church, they're lonely, and they just walk in, and I'm not going to ridicule people because they don't have a Bible. Come on. Just come in. Let's get all that junk off you. But I think that if you have changed and you now are a believer, then when believers are too busy to carry the word, then we're using opinions to guide our life. And so that's the difference between a believer. So put it on your phone. Also take notes. I want to do note-taking culture. If you'll watch me... I, 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 and I'm not the model at all, but if I'm not speaking and I'm here, I'm taking notes. The reason I'm doing that is because I believe that current or, or while I'm in the middle of receiving revelation, even if I'm in a position where I don't need that right now, God has given me something now that I can use later. And so I don't know what's happening in the next two weeks, but it would be awesome to be able to go back and have some truths that would help unlock some offense or hurt or whatever. So I want to have a church culture that we're taking note. I'm try I want to make it very simple. So you go like one, two, three, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five. You know what I'm saying? If I get really excited, six, but, but hardly never six. <laughs> but, but I want to make it understandable and easy because I want you to be able to take it with you and think about it. I want you to think about I don't want this to be a, a, a happy meal. I want this to be a steak at Ruth Chris. And I want you to think about it. Like when we went to Ruth Chris not too long ago, I ate there, but the experience stayed with me. And there were many times I would be like, huh, wow, the hotness of the plate, the taste. We need to go back there. I, I mean, I, I want you to think, wow, that spoke to me. I need to go back there. I need to think about this. I need to, I need to spend some time thinking about what we're talking about. In Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 3, and I'm just, we're going to walk through just a couple verses here that I want you to see. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, and God said, verse 6, then God said, verse 9, all in chapter 1, then God said, verse 11, then God said, verse 14, then God said, verse 20, then God said, verse 24, then God said, verse 26, then God said, verse 29, then God said, y'all kind of getting this? <laughs> verse 31, then God saw what he said. Then God saw what he said. Here, can I tell you, it's, it's interesting because now we have all these positive thoughts, positive mind, mind control mind, all that. God did not think, God said. And, 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 and it's important for us to know that while we may be having great deep thoughts, 
The words that you're communicating are framing up something. And God did not think it, God said it. And then he saw what he said. Can I tell you that you need to be talking over your career. You need to be speaking over your marriage. You need to be speaking out loud over your kids. You don't need to think, wow, I love my wife. Baby, you need to say it. Does that make sense? It will do better for you if you say it. You've got to say it. And I think that a lot of believers, the reason their dreams are held captive on what they really want to do is because they're thinking it through, but they're not talking about it you got to speak it out. What do you want to see God do in your life? What do you want to do? we got business owners and people who want to move to the next level. And they've been thinking about it for a year, but you need to start talking it out. And you will see what you said. It doesn't say that God saw what he thought. It said God saw what he, come on, he said. He said it. We gotta, what are we saying over our family? What are we saying over some things? There were different times in our kids' development that that didn't see what I was saying, and it's always frustrating when you don't see what you are saying, but all I'm going to tell you is you keep saying it because you don't go by how you feel, and you, don't, you go by faith. Faith-filled words, you speak it over it until it happens. The second thing is this. Sick tongues hurt people. We're talking about three truths on how we speak. The first is your words will always produce something. If you're talking, you're producing something. Sick tongues hurt people. There's a story of a woman who lived in an Indian village and she maliciously began to gossip over this one lady and her family, talking about them all the time for for years. Then time went on and new revelation came out and it came out that everything that she had been saying was a lie. None of it was true. And she felt very bad, very convicted. And so she went to the wise man of the village who lived far off and she went over to this person and she said, listen, for years I've been talking terrible about this one uh, lady and her family and and now that I know them, I realize that everything that I said was uh, fabricated. It it wasn't true. I was listening to someone else and I, I spoke things about them that were very harmful. And he said, here's what I want you to do. You go back to the the village where you came from, you get your chickens, you kill them, you take all their feathers, and you put it in a bag, and you come back and see me. She was like, that's it? Yeah. And so she did exactly what he said and came, started walking back, and, 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 and he, he had one caveat. He said, on your way back, I want you to take the feathers out of the bag, and I want you to throw them in the air, and then come see me. So she did that. She did exactly what he said, and she finally got back to him, and, and, he, and she said, okay, listen, I did everything that you told me. Now what? He looked at her and said, now go back and pick them all up. She's like, well, that's impossible. The wind has taken them, and they're already gone, and it, and it would take me forever to pick up those words, those feathers. And she said, he said, that's exactly like your words. You know, sometimes when we say things, We may have a quick apology, but it doesn't erase the hurt that was planted by those words. Now, for us as believers, we don't believe that 
we are held captive by the things that we did in our past. We believe that God forgives and God restores, come on, and God heals and He makes all things new. But I am saying that if you think you can say anything that you want to people, your boss, come on, we, 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 you know the song back in the 70s or 80s? Take this job and... You know what I'm saying? Why, why? Why do we feel the desire to let someone know we disagree? <laughs> Here's the thing. Is that the reason sometimes we're loose with our words is because we want people to fix what God should be fixing. God wants to fix that. And you know, it's not people. It's not if they say sorry enough and if they did, because the reality is, can I just tell you something? Especially for those of you who are in a younger stage of life, people cannot make you happy. Come on, somebody. They cannot make you happy. They will never make you happy. There is not enough that they can do right that will, will, will make you happy. Because you have assumptions and someone's going to let you down. Your parents are going to let you down. Your friends are going to let you. People are going to let you down because they don't know what you're thinking. And everybody's living life in real life. Time in real life. And if your happiness is contingent on other people, then you're going to be speaking a lot of anger and a lot of bitterness and a lot of frustration because you are upset at how they are doing whatever they're doing. Listen, we're talking about a sick tongue hurts people. I want to give you five real quick. The first is this. People who stir up, um, people who stir up uh, division. They just stir up division. Everything was fine until, oh, well, do, well that's not what they said. Well, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. What? What are you talking about? Someone that misappropriates something or stirs up division. Did you know? Well, I don't know about. Well, I don't know. I don't know why. Well, I don't, I don't even know why we have two Cyruses. <laughs> so, do you? Do, it's so weird in our church. It's like everybody's freezing and then they're hot and they're freezing and they're hot. And it's like, could someone fix that? I'm like, I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. Golly, when are they going to change the mints in our church? I mean, we've had those like forever. Is that the only mint they can buy? I mean, come on. I mean, who buys the same mints every time? I mean, it's fine. No, really, I love them. I love them. You know, it's funny. People will start being negative, and then someone will say something. Oh, no, no, I was just, I was just, I was just kidding. I'm just saying. I'm just, oh, I know. I was just being bad. Well, you vomited, you didn't clean it up, and you left and went, oh, I'm better. Feel so much better now. Stirring up division in your own home. People come over for family, family get-togethers, and they just stir up division. They, some people love to find a wound and put their finger in it. Come on, and like, and then go back and go. Oh, thanks for the meal. It's been great. And now everybody's fighting at the house because <laughs> walk in and oh, so and they and they say something or they do something. Don't be someone that stirs up division with your mouth. We're bringing people together. We're not tearing them apart. Come on. Listen, Proverbs. Look at, let's look at Proverbs. I'm going to read you probably something that's on your refrigerator. Um, 
Proverbs chapter 6. I'm going to start in verse 12. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 12. And uh, it's, it says this. A worthless person, a wicked man, walks with a perverse mouth. He winks his eye, shuffles his feet, points his fingers. Uh, he hardens his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord, just drops it in. Just kind of an anarchist. Come on, a verbal anarchist. Just kind of blowing things up. Therefore, his calamity shall be sudden, and suddenly he shall be broken without remedy. Listen to this. These six things the Lord hates. Seven are abomination to him. Let's go over the seven. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord. Isn't it interesting that out of the seven things that God hates, three of them has to do with your mouth? Oh, son. Shooky, shooky now. The reality is your mouth. Could I pose this thought to you? Is your mouth the thing that's holding up where God wants to take you? What God wants to do in your life, the relationships that need to be restored. Is your mouth the thing that's shackling what God wants to do? And listen, I know that you're wiser. I know that you know more. I know in this area it's very hard not to know something and to back off a little bit. But can I tell you this, that the Bible is very clear that we are communicating life or death. Gossip. Come on. People gossiping or speaking untruth, just making up stuff. You don't even know the facts. You're just talking about what out of your mouth? Gossip. Whoever go gossips to you, when you're gone, they're going to gossip about you. So whenever you start leaning in, no, really? What? Oh, really? Okay. No, I never knew that. Next week when you're not at coffee with them, guess who they're talking about? They're talking about you. No, they would never. <laughs> oh, naive one. <laughs> Listen, great minds discuss ideas. Average minds discuss events. Small minds discuss people. We've got to make sure that are we building up or are we tearing down? And come on, you, you've all been, maybe you've been in church long enough where someone will go, listen, I'm not gossiping. I'm just, I just want to pray about, I just want us to pray about this. I just want to talk about so-and-so because we need to pray about them. Listen, there is a difference between information and burden. A burden is something that unlocks compassion and then moves you toward wanting to really seek the Lord for this person because it's heavy on your heart. That is something different than just, I know something you don't know. <laughs> because what happens is, when we act like the person that wants to say something that we know that other people doesn't know, it falsifies us who, who we really are and we mask insecurity. We're... The reason we want to have something to say is, is because we're insecure. And, and if people listen to me and if they know what we're talking about and if they value what I'm saying, then maybe I'll be someone. 
God is the one that makes you who you are. And he validates you alone. He is the one that does that. Breaking confidence. You know, we have life groups here at this church, and, and we love connecting with life groups. We love that. But we believe that you can find freedom in life groups. We believe that as you come together and, 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 and we start praying for people and things start happening and people start, you know, getting all the junk and toxic stuff out of their heart, we believe that, that people are going to open up and share some things. We don't want you to go around talking about that prayer moment or that moment where we're encouraged. Oh, we did, you know, the women had their Bible study and guess who started talking again? Wow, their family has a lot of issues. They look good, but you know, we know the truth. Come on. The Bible talks about that. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 13. A talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. If somebody has to come to you, and I'm just going to say this. If someone has to come to you and say, hey, bro, don't tell. There are two things. Either they're not concerned that you're going to keep their truth or they've been hurt by other people saying their stuff. And we're not talking about issues that will hurt someone. I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about normal life. Normal life, struggles, pain, hurt. You know, I'm not talking about, hey, I'm about to go rob a bank, don't tell anybody. I mean, obviously, you know, bro, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell, okay? I'm going to tell. I might do it after you rob the bank because, you know, brother's got to get paid. But... <laughs> But, but listen, uh, I'm not talking about someone hurting themselves. I'm talking about if someone confides in you, resist the urge to say it. They're wanting you to connect and pray for them and lift them up. And they don't want to hear about all of the stuff. Come on. The church, we got to get good at this. Spreading negativism, being negative, Neg just negative, being a pessimist, just negative. P the Bible talks about that we've, we've got to be positive, and, and I realize it's hard. Hebrews chapter 3, verse um, 12 and 13 speaks about this. I'm going to turn there real quick because I mentioned it. But Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 13 Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you, any of you, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. In other words, if we're not careful, we will allow our negativity, our jading moments, life that didn't work out, we'll sow into people a hard heart. And listen, negativity is simply the devil's language spoken by those who have his perspective. We're not talking about wisdom. There, there, there is wisdom. Listen. But I'm talking about overt negativity where you can't see it. If, if, if I listen to everybody's counsel who told me something about the church, 
we, we wouldn't be here right now. Because, well, how are you going to go to Rogers? And How are you going to go? You only have 11 people. You, only have, you have four kids. How are you going to do that? What are you going to do? How are you going to do that? I don't know how I'm going to do that. But here's what I do know. I do know that I can lean on faith or I can lean on, you know, how it looks. And I can look at trends and I can look at the culture and I can look at the fact that it's a terrible time in this economy to plant a church. Or I can do what God's called me to do and I can live by faith. And at the end of the day, we are faith people. Nothing is impossible for God. Faith doesn't mean that you don't see the problem. Faith means that you can see past the problem to the answer. We're not naive. We knew the struggles. And you may have faith, and there may be something that you're believing for, that you know the struggles as well. But it's looking past the problem to the answer. Because we're answer-focused people, not problem-focused people. The third thing is this, and the last, is speaking life is a game-changer. Come on, it's a game-changer. What you say today to someone can encourage and break them out of the funk that they've been into. That's why we want people... Man, this is crazy in church. But, but that's why we want you to high-five and welcome someone to church and meet them in the foyer. Listen, if we're not careful, church will become a very selfish thing. I'm coming for me to hear a word for me, to do for me, and all of it's for me, and if everybody doesn't like me, and if nobody notices me, then, and, 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 and at the end of the, the, the dialogue, the monologue in between you and yourself is all you. But this message of Christianity is not about you. It's about Him. It's about Him. Who today, and we just look around and we're not trying to assess anybody, but who today felt lonely? Who today is going through struggle? Who today looks like they have it all together, but they, they're really broken on the inside? Who today is still struggling with the health report that they got on Thursday? Who, who today is dealing with a marriage issue or a job issue or a an issue with their child, an issue with their adult, aging parents. Who today is going through something? And come on, the, the, the goal of church is not for you to find your seat. I just need my seat. I mean, I just need to go in and, and church is like, it's like Mick Church. I just need to go in, do the deal, Sing, ha, raise, ha, ha, tithe, give, ha, sit, leave. That, that's not it. With my mouth, I've hurt people. I've hurt people and I've wounded people. I grew up in, a, in, a, in an environment where, you know, my mom was broken and hurt. A lot of things happened to her in her life that were very hard abuse and so she didn't have a lot of teaching so she used very and when I got married I did the same thing hard words and I had to learn if I want something life-giving I gotta change the way I talk and it took me years years and it's still 
There's still times that I, because of the culture that I grew up in, come on, it's just, it's just easy for me to lay it down. You know, drop the verbal hammer. You know what I'm saying? Boom! Now y'all listening. You know, it's, it's very easy for me to do that. But I got to be a life giver. My tongue, my mouth, come on. If you win every argument, you're losing in your relationship. You can't always have something to say. Sometimes people aren't talking to you and you need to be quiet. That's the real. Our mouth moves us into favor or it moves us away from favor. And I believe the thing in your heart God has done in your life has given you your words to make it a reality. Your words. Speak words of life. What are you saying about your spouse? What are you saying about your job? What are you saying about your boss? What are you saying about this season of your life? Oh, this season, it's just so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. Okay, I agree with you in the name of Jesus. I agree with you. That's what amen means. Amen means so be it. What if we had a generation of, of people in church that grew up that, that did not live by their feelings alone, but brought everything to the feet of Christ and said, here's how I feel, change it. Here's how I feel, change it. Today, is your tongue cutting or building? I find it interesting, and I'll close with this. Jesus, some of the last things that he said on the cross was, God, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In his most crucial moment of his life, he chose to speak life. When you have crucial moments, do you fly off? Do you blow up? Do you cut the very people that God has given you to steward? Are you negative? Just negative. And you call it practical. But just negative. And, and there's a fine line between wisdom and just being negative. And church, if we're going to be a life-giving church, we're going to have to have life come out. Thanks for listening. To see what's happening at the house, follow us on social media at the house underscore NWA.